Yes, we love to shout your name, God. So good to be with you this morning. Good morning to you. Hey, do you remember back in January when we flipped the calendar and entered into a new year with such hope and optimism? I mean, 2020, it even sounded spectacular. And then just a couple months in and the whole world was flipped upside down. This COVID-19 pandemic, it just completely did a worldwide devastation. You know, we went through a time of all of our routine to quarantine, and then we moved from a free nation to isolation, and we went from plane boarding to toilet paper hoarding. I mean, it was so much devastation and craziness and loss, tremendous loss of life, loss of businesses, loss of jobs, loss of graduations and weddings and funerals. We lost the Olympics. We lost much of our freedom, and many just lost hope. And while life is just starting to feel a little bit more bearable, it feels anything, not anything close to normal. And we're starting to wonder if normal's ever going to come back, right? Or even if it should, because certainly social justice calls us into a new normal. And while we survey the devastation all around us, we also have to ask ourselves, you know, what's going on inside of us? What has this time shown you about yourself? What's been pressed out and squeezed out of you in this time? Because, you know, times of testing like this are often the catalyst to seasons of change. And through it all, you know, wouldn't it be tragic to go through all of this and and never be changed by it. You know, recently I heard a quote by Andy Stanley. He's a pastor in Georgia. And he said this. He said, pain without gain is really a shame. I like it. And I think I reflect it as well. You see, this season has bubbled up in stuff inside of me, stuff that's come to the surface. You know, as all of the external parts of my life began to fall away, the inside of me was laid bare in front of me. You know, all of my insecurities and all of my frailties, all my false priorities, all these things, the real me. And these are things that I want to change. I want to show you a picture of Elliot Cohen. This is Elliot here. I love his bow tie. (laughs) Elliot is a former counselor for the Department of State. And in the Atlantic magazine, he said this. It's a great quote. It said, it is by now a cliche that the post-COVID-19 world will be different. Unquestionably so. This difference will encompass not just the impact of lives stuffed out, jobs lost, companies bankrupted, and the economy twisted out of shape. It'll also encompass how we think about ourselves and our world. Human beings, again, recognize that they are small. The universe is vast, and they cannot be in charge. Generations long past, well, they understood the limits of human control, and they accepted them, which is why so much of their writing and thought returned to the question of character. Not because it protected them from life's vicissitudes, but because it allowed them to survive them and head held high with personality and integrity intact no matter how great the suffering. 
You see, Cohen challenges us to look past the chaos, which we can't control, and into our character, which we have the power to influence. See, character doesn't remove our challenges, but it does help us navigate through them. And so that's the course we're setting for today, to set sail, to develop and strengthen and shape a stronger character. We're in this series called Stronger. It's all about listening to and understanding the names that God has given himself to us. Because when we know God more intimately, more powerfully, more closely, it does something to us. It strengthens us. And so here's the word that we're going to look at today. It's God's name and it's Jehovah Mikodeshkin. Jehovah Mikodeshkin. Helps you get the phlegm out. Mikodeshkin. <laughs> it means the Lord who sanctifies. God reveals this name to us in the book of Leviticus, the book of life, the book that came through Moses as the children of Israel left slavery in Egypt and entered into the promised land. It's the book that God gave to give them instructions of what it would be like to live in harmony and connection to him. Leviticus 27 and 8 says this, it says, consecrate yourselves, therefore, And be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am Jehovah Mikadeshkin. Now notice there's two parts here. God says that we're to consecrate ourselves, to be holy and follow his ways, to obey him. But it's because it says, I have sanctified you. So what does sanctified mean? Well, sanctified It means to set apart and to make righteous. To set apart and make righteous. God's calling his people to follow in his ways, to reflect his character. But he makes it clear that these are not ways to attempt to gain favor with him, to get his approval, or even to build our own self-righteousness. No, what God says is, I am the one who makes you righteous. Only me. You can't do it on your own. Now, I want to take a moment here and I want to kind of pull us back a little bit, elevate to kind of bit a bigger perspective to help us understand this. So I want to take us back, back to the beginning in Genesis, when God created the first human being, when he created Adam, it says that God breathed his life, his spirit into Adam, his spirit into Adam. And then he created Eve, and she also possessed the spirit of God. Human beings were created in God's image to reflect his glory and also to live and share his life. And then entered Satan to destroy and break this union. And he tempted the man and woman to reject God as the author and king and lord of life. And when the man and woman did this, what happened is they separated themselves from God. God's spirit left them and they became spiritually dead. Their life with God was severed and they were no longer righteous, but contentious and callous and condemned. But even in that moment, God's unfathomable grace was reached out to them. And God created a plan to help redeem mankind back again. And this plan would focus on a Messiah, a Savior. 
And God would send his prophets to his people as a reminder over and over again that it would be Messiah that would deliver them. We see this in one of the prophets, Jeremiah. Let's look what he says in Jeremiah 23, 6. Jeremiah says this, This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And there's another name of God right there. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Sidkinu. The Lord is our righteousness. This Messiah longed for in Jeremiah's day, we now know today as Jesus Christ, our Messiah. You know, we don't look to God for our righteousness, do we? Not natural for us. No, we kind of come up with our own attempts to kind of change and modify our character, things like image management or behavior modification, all these ways that we try to change. But we never dig into the very root of the problem, the very core, because these things don't change our motives or our will. What the problem is, is it lies deeper within us. It's not in what we do, you see, but it's in who we are. And what we are is broken. We're broken at the core, broken by sin. And our human nature is hardwired to our ego, to self. We focus from the very beginning on what we want for us, self-satisfaction, self-desires, how we want to live our life. That's our nature, and it's also our biggest character flaw, our biggest obstacle, because life lived for self, it conflicts with others. And if we really want to connect with, if we really want to understand and live in harmony with God and others, we need love. But we need a real love that's self-sacrificial, We need a love that puts others first rather than ourselves. A love that's giving and not getting. A love that is so appealing to us. We write songs about it. We write poems about it. We love the concept of love because what it does is love calls us back to the original way that we were connected. We were connected to God who is the source of love. And so we long for this love, but we have these sort of struggling with these tainted attempts to do it on our own, which mostly we call love, but it comes from the core of self, and we want it on our own terms. So the great question is, how do we move from being people of self to being people of love? You know, it requires a whole new nature, because it's so true that who we are dictates what we do, and if who we are is focused on self, then our love will be selfish. Until we get a new nature, a new life, we have to be transformed from the inside out. So where does this come from? Well, it comes through Jesus Christ, who can give us a brand new nature. You see, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he brought divinity and united it with humanity. He reestablished our union. And as God and man, Jesus lived a life that we could not live on our own connected to God, honoring God, expressing God's love and power and goodness to the world. And so Jesus, as our representative, he lived here on earth, living a life of righteousness before God. And then he died a horrible death, paying the debt that we owed to God. And he was buried. 
And then Jesus Christ rose from the dead into new life. And it's this new life that Jesus offers to us. And there's no longer any chasm between us and God. You see, if we trust in Jesus Christ, then what the Bible tells us is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ into Christ, into his life. And everything that Jesus has done is ours. The life he lived is our life. The life he died is our life. The life he, when he rose again is our life. He becomes our righteousness. Because we are in Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says this. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and restoration and redemption. You see, in Christ, God makes us righteous. And we go from being set apart from God to being set apart to God. Jesus is our everything. He's our very life. You see, eternal life is not a span of time, but it's a source of existence. We gain eternal life because we are in Jesus and Jesus is eternal. And this changes everything about us. Everything. We're set free from sin, set free from condemnation, set free from selfishness. We are united with Christ's life. We are righteous in him. And so we ask, right? Well, why is it then? Why is it that I still struggle so much with my character? Why is it so hard for me to change? And that's a really good question. <laughs> but you see, we need to remember that we were made in God's image. That God created us to be like him with a will, with an independent identity. And you see, God honors us when he invites us into the partnership together, he gives us autonomy and responsibility for what's called our sanctification. He's the Lord that sanctifies us, but we go through a process of sanctification, which is the whole idea of how we are formed to look more like the Christ in his life that is in us. Check this out in Philippians 2, 12 to 13. It talks about this. Therefore, dear friends... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in according to his good purpose. We are to work out what God has worked in us. He does his part, and we also do our part, you see. And because I am in Christ, I can work out my salvation. This means that what God calls me to do, he equips me to do. And he equips me through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of power, the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's this dynamic partnership, you see, where we work together and experience God through that process in a more powerful and meaningful way. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we can transform our character together with God. And shape our character to become more like Jesus. So here's our first point. And that's this. That we set apart, set myself apart to God and his purpose. 
I set myself apart to God. See, God has set us apart. And now with this redeemed will that God has given us, we choose to set ourselves apart to God, to live how we were created to live, to obey him and honor him under his lordship and care. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that's in you yet with gentleness and respect. Set apart Christ as Lord of your heart. Sanctify Christ. Make him your leader, your greatest affection, your highest priority of your heart, not in just word and not in just thought, but also in word and deed. We make Jesus the priority of our time. Make Jesus the priority of our resources, the priority of our talents. We set him apart as king. You know, most of the writers of the New Testament, as you read through the books in the New Testament, especially in the letters to the churches, you hear the phrase over and over again. They refer to themselves as servants of Christ. Do you ever think of yourself that way? As Christ's servant? You know, when you wake up in the morning, is your first thought, okay, Lord, what will you have me do? Or is more like, where are my cocoa puffs? (laughs) I catch myself often, unfortunately, I struggle with this, and, and I'm asking more that God would bless my way rather than me blessing God by following his way. Setting Christ as Lord, setting him apart also means setting ourselves apart and separating ourselves from sin, running from it, disconnecting from it, abandoning it, It also means avoiding idols in our lives, the things that tear our heart away from God and compete for our time and attention. Even the good things, the good things that take the best part of our time away from God and putting them in their proper place. You see, it's so important that we evaluate if Jesus Christ is the primary, beautiful, and most important part and longing of our heart. You know, as a youth pastor, I used to love to tell the story of a pope that lived in Rome. Now, this pope was loved by his people. They adored him. He was a good pope. But it was discovered that the pope had heart disease and he needed a heart transplant. And so you see, the announcement was made out to the people to gather in the papal courtyard and that the pope would be there at noon and that he would drop a feather from the balcony And the person on whom the feather fell would be the lucky person who would give their heart to the Pope. And so sure enough, the pontiff stood up on the balcony above the people. And they all chanted their love for the Pope. We love the Pope. We love the Pope. We love the Pope. And he reached out his hand and dropped the feather. And as the feather floated down, the people cried out, I give you my heart. 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 So I ask you the question. When you think of giving your heart entirely to Jesus, what causes you to blow him away? Maybe that is the thing that is keeping you 
from the change that you hope for and long for in your heart, the thing that's stunting your character. You see, to a large extent, the amount of change that we see in our life is equal to the amount of devotion that we put into that. God doesn't force change upon us. He does not, but he responds when we pursue change. When we set ourselves apart to him and surrender to his lead. You see, God is ready, willing, even eager to give us everything that we need to pursue the eternal and beautiful abundant life that he has for us. But we access that power when we choose to place him and put our heart and sanctify our heart entirely as his. Let's look at our next point. And that's this, to saturate ourselves in God's word. Saturate ourselves in God's word. God's word is living. It's living because it comes forth from a living God. Living words, his thoughts, his intentions, his character, his unconditional love for us. All of these are in the Bible where God is revealed, where he's known. His living words bring life to us. They sanctify us and they set us free. Look at what Jesus says in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your words are truth. And the truth sets us free. Amen. You see, the word of God ministered to us by the Holy Spirit. It transforms us. And the more time we spend with God, we can't help. As the word of God washes over us, we can't help but be changed by it. You know, it's a process and it does take time. I mean, it does. But it's time, well, worth it. Because especially, you know, in that beginning part, you know, where we, we struggle with our own old ways, our old thought patterns, our old, old ways and practices of sin that are kind of like ruts in our soul. But the more time that we intentively bring our heart, our mind, our spirit, our soul into God's word over and over, you see that God's love begins to weaken those bonds and attachments so that we no longer run after sin, but we run after God's heart. Scripture encourages us it says, long for the pure milk of the word that by it we will grow in respect to salvation. You know, we long for God's word when we read it, think and meditate upon it, memorize it. When we hear it, and most importantly, when we obey it. Because you see, when we read God's word, we get information. But when we obey God's word, it brings transformation. Here's our next point. And that's we surrender to the Holy Spirit. We surrender to the Holy Spirit. You know, as the Bible recounts how Jesus lived his life here on earth, it is clear that Jesus lived entirely in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. He walked with the Spirit. He was guided by the Spirit. He spent time with the Spirit. All of this, the Holy Spirit plays such an important role in our transformation and character development. We're reminded this again by Peter in 1 Peter 1, 1 to 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect who have been chosen to the, by the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to follow the Spirit, and to not 
quench the Holy Spirit. These are all ways that we surrender to the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the key to our union with Jesus. He's our source of spiritual power for life. But the one thing we got to keep in mind with the Holy Spirit is that he will not chase after our busy life. <laughs> You're not going to find the Holy Spirit chasing after you and biting you at the heels. You see, to follow the Spirit requires us to purposely slow down, to stop, to pause, to listen, to pay attention, to hear his guidance and direction. Most often, the Holy Spirit speaks through God's word. And he's ever ready to lead and transform us, but he's not going to shout above the noise and chaos of our life. You know, the spiritual practices of silence and solitude are so good for this. And yet we don't usually practice those in our life. There's so much to say here, so much more, but we need to move on to our last point. And that's this, is to share life in community. Share life in community to shape our character. You see, the Bible describes us believers as community united together as the body of Christ. What a privilege to even be called that. But we're not just called that. We are that. The body of Christ. It's a relatable picture that God gives to us to help us understand our unity. It's critical that we get it and live it. You see, we all have a function and we all have a part we function interdependently, just like our physical body, right? Where we get a message from our head. It says, you need to go help that person. So this, our brain sends the message that goes out to our hands, our arms, our trunk, our body, our legs, our toes, our pinky toe, all of it working together. And that's the way God designed the church. As his body, the body of Christ, working together as a unified whole, just like, think about the Trinity itself as a living, united union, a united community. That's what God calls us to. Where we share life with God and one another. And it's in shared life, you see, that we grow. We grow in our connection. We grow in our communion. We grow in our character. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 reinforce this. Paul tells us, instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That's Christ. From him, Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Do you see the picture? Can you vision what God has in mind for us? I mean, picture first the beauty of God's beautiful trinity working together in harmony, sharing love and encouragement and life together. We have been baptized into community together. It's not just a sentimental thought, but it is our actual reality and privilege. You see, the Bible never describes what you could call an individual and lonely Christianity. You don't see that. I mean, read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Read John 14 to 17. Read the whole entire New Testament. It says that we, as Christians, are part of being saved into community. The Christian life is more than just a commitment to Christ. It's also a commitment, you see, to other Christians. And the Bible reminds us 
that we need each other, that we belong to each other, that we are the body of Christ. And shared life is where we support and encourage and grow and care for one another. And in community, we become fully known and fully loved. It's where we share life's greatest moments and celebrate together and also carry one another through life's deepest heartaches. Love is shared. C.S. Lewis has a great quote about the power of community. He says this, Christ works on all of us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. That is why the church, the whole body of Christians, showing him to one another is so important. We can't express love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control unless we do it with one another. We chisel out our character through the power of the Holy Spirit in the lab of grace-filled community. This is God's plan. And so there we go. It's quite a lot, right? Maybe a little too much. But here's the deal. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. The most important step, you see, is your first step. And so this is what I want to suggest. Sometime this week, I want you to get alone with Jesus and ask him this question. Ask him, Jesus, what's an area of my character that you want to work on together? And then I want you to listen. And I want you to watch. And I want you to pay attention. And the Lord may whisper that to your spirit. Or maybe he'll allow a circumstance in your life that will be like a spotlight that'll shine. And you'll recognize, oh, this is it. And then I want you to bring that thing, that part of your character. I want you to bring it to Jesus. I want you to bring it to your community. I want you to rely on the Holy Spirit to begin the act of character transformation. But I want to assure you that God knows you and God loves you. And you see, he may call you towards something that maybe you don't fully understand or even want to face. But I want you to trust him and I want you to follow him and say yes to him. And though it may be scary, you may find that it's the beginning of a dream that you never knew you had. This is a journey we take together. Through trials and tribulations and testing, the character that we have will carry us through. The character that was given to us when we receive new life in Jesus Christ. And the character that we chisel out together in community through the power of the Spirit so that we become the masterpiece that God sees within us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our Jehovah Michadishkem the God who sanctifies us. That you are God, Jehovah, Sidkinu. That you are our righteousness. That you are our life. You are our hope. You are our eternity. You are our source. You are our God. And we can rely on you and have faith and hope. And we can be transformed and find stronger character, Lord, from who you made us and who you want us to become. You empower us through your spirit. We are so grateful for that, Lord.
And we long, Lord, for you to do that work. So we come to you this week and we just ask, Lord, what is it in us, the character that you want to start, our first step? God, help us to set you apart as Lord of that part of our life. We look forward, God, to you doing that great work. In Jesus' name, amen.